Hello, friends. It's Thursday, October 20th. Uh, Chapo Trap House coming at you. Uh, it's me, Will. Joining me, as always, Matt and Felix. Okay, I have some somber news to begin uh, this episode of the show. This is uh, just coming across the newswire now. Doctors at Parkland Hospital have confirmed that George the Cat has been milkshake ducked for comments over Instacart shopping. I saw a good comment. Uh, someone was like, now I know that George the Cat is run by a white man the way that he talked to a black woman. <laughs> that cat should watch itself. I'm going to earn that cat by the tail and whelp it into a brick wall like Roberto Duran. <laughs> uh, no, this is, uh, you know, look, it's everybody's favorite uh, war, really. It's everyone's favorite discourse war. On the one side, you've got disabled people. On the other side, you've got Instacart shoppers. Who will win? Let's let the internet decide. Actually, I mean, I, I think truly the war over See, the... See, I wonder uh, who's going to win in that contest between <laughs> people who uh, have to fucking work for a living and people who are online all day talking about their fucking fake disabilities. I <laughs> See, I think that this is just a proxy war in the much larger conflict between men and women that exists on the internet. It's true. As we said, the Kanye-Kim election is inevitable. The real, the real war is a gender war. Uh, because here's the thing. Men and women have very different shopping energies. And I'm not going to say one is superior to the other, but it, it, like the experience of shopping at a grocery store with another guy or by yourself and shopping for a woman or with a woman is a very, it's a very, they're two very different energy streams. Again, not taking sides here. I will just say that there are a lot of expectations that are assumed on both sides when it comes to shopping for groceries. And we're seeing it now with George the cat. Yeah. Well, I mean like, um, you know, a man is never going to be able to do a woman's uh, grocery shopping because, you know, woman needs seven or eight types of tampons just to get through the day. She needs a bowl meal. Women, of course, descended from the Far East, and they prefer to eat their meals in bowls. <laughs> Men uh, descended, descended from typically Western Europe, where uh, plating and sometimes breading is uh, more the norm. But there's a um, sort of a clash of civilizations that Samuel P. Huntington talked about between men and women. And this goes into overdrive when women are bitten by a deer or a tick and get chronic Lyme disease and need a special accessible bowl. Um, I actually there's, there's a there's a there's a news story about this feline Internet celebrity George the Cat slammed over ableist Instacart comments. <laughs> I don't know that this was ableist, uh, though, because yeah. like, OK, was the woman actually disabled? Well, I'll stop you right there, Felix. Okay. It was. Right. Okay? It was. It, it was. Because it doesn't matter about the specific person that you're referring to. Every address to every person must be assumed by a third party to apply to literally everyone on earth. That, that's what uh, communicating on public social media means. Now, I know in the, the, the tweets in question, uh, the woman complaining about her Instacart shopper um, was well enough to go to the grocery okay. store they were shopping at and confront them. But like, OK, you know, but, like, I mean, that that's, doesn't mean necessarily that they're, you know, able to go to the grocery store or the, or that they want to. Yeah. You know? so, I mean, OK, I, th I think I I mean, I get it. Like, I have a disability that keeps me from going to the grocery store. It's depressing. How about that? <laughs> How about that? How about, you know, it's sad to see. 
I get yelled at when I use my Groyper credit card. You know, I don't like going there. It's my disability. I don't like seeing I don't like seeing a 73 year old man who's completely by himself buying not even Greek yogurt, but like uh, way too much Dannon. What are you staying alive for? I don't know. <laughs> it's sad. You know, it, it's funny. I, I think I do find grocery stores kind of. They are. They are. You know, I had. Yeah. Um, I guess I've had a lot of neuroses in my life. I'll admit, but um, I used to have a <laughs> no way. like a neurotic thing about like people from school, like people from the college I was going to, like seeing me buying groceries for some reason when I was going to school in Minnesota. That's don't be just, oh god! I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing. I don't know why it's so embarrassing, but it is like it feels like depressing, kind of because it's like I don't know. It's like they can figure out how alone you are by what's in your cart. There's something that's like, there's something that's so depressing about it. Like seeing like, seeing like, you know, meat and vegetables and then like, oh, he got a pint of ice cream. Why? For fun. You know, like, I don't know why it's so fucking depressing. It just is. It you is. Know, like, 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 like a coworker or colleague seeing you check out 15 items or less. You're like, you're, you're like the type of, you shop every night because you don't have like the foresight to plan yeah. ahead. And you're just getting like individually wrapped slices of American cheese, Gatorade, and then just boxes only. Like no fresh fruits or vegetables, no meats, nothing like that. Just just boxes of crackers, cookies, you know, what, what else come in boxes? <laughs> Candy. I mean, that's like what I that's like cereal. what I buy now. But I like I used to eat really well because I was like a big like workout and Joe Rogan guy. I would buy like fresh kale, but I was still like horrified at the possibility. Of anyone recognizing me. Well, here's the deal. It's like if someone sees you buying groceries, then in their imagination, it's only just a hop, skip, and a jump to imagining you defecating the food that you're just that, buying. Yeah. And that's... that's well, also, I or mean... Or imagining that your girlfriend is home recovering from a bong hit transplant. That's true. <laughs> I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's worse or, to see somebody eating dinner, a prepared dinner alone, than it is to see them shitting. Or people are seeing you check out, um, you know, you're scanning your items and then people are just imagining. I, I bet he's shopping for a woman who's housebound, but he's getting all the wrong brands and he's not checking the ripeness of the avocados. And he's basically uh, doing ableism like George the Cat. George the Cat, folks. George the Cat. Were you guys aware of George the Cat yeah. this week? I sadly was aware of George the Cat. <laughs> And that's what's funny, because okay. even though George the Cat was on the side of the angels in this pointless, idiotic argument, George the Cat as a concept absolutely deserves to be euthanized at the soonest convenience. Put into well, a microwave at the fucking a- uh, at the shelter. Just get him out of here. It was a story about a cat that worked was at a, at, that was at some office, and then some lady uh, was mad at the cat for putting butter on it or something, and it became a viral uh, post that then someone decided to turn into a tweet, a Twitter that supposedly is from the point of view of the cat. It's a very 2012 type of thing, you know, like a Ikea monkey on the loose type of deal. But in this case, George the cat was extremely leftist. <laughs> That's the key component of George the cat. Cause it's a cat that puts butter on its head at work, but also is a cab. Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. I'm just going to read from this news account. 
Uh, Jorts is a pretty plain-looking orange tabby that hit it big on Reddit in 2021. <laughs> a Redditor claimed that Jorts was an office cat and things evolved and Jorts somehow became a supporter of organized labor. <laughs> Who knows how these things happen? Anyway, the internet loves Jorts and several news outlets picked up on the buzzy animal, replete with quotes from the cat. Here's an example of Jorts talking to Business Insider. It's been really clear how terribly the odds are stacked against the working class, especially in the U.S. As a worker cat myself, I have solidarity. Okay, first of all, cats do not have solidarity with any living thing other they than themselves. They have no solidarity, and they do not work for anybody. <laughs> this is like the director of the Fetterman campaign, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Fetterman's Carl Rove. Okay, all right. We're caught up. Now, because this is the Internet and the Internet is more fickle than a cat deciding if it wants to come inside or not, things have taken a turn. It all started fairly innocently. A person on Twitter talked about a bad experience with a grocery delivery. Quote, my last time using grocery delivery and I got a man, he, ref he started refunding stuff that I knew dang on well the store had. I was so pissed I got in the car and went to the store he was at. Bruh was literally standing in one aisle on the phone. This doesn't seem to be the type of thing that would get George's interest, but alas, the cat can't keep its mouth shut, apparently. George the cat re replies to the uh, Instacart complainer uh, with just this, idea, colon, go get your own groceries. Bro, George, uh -uh. that is, that is not sorry. cool. What if they can't, even though they did? So it's it's a, this is this is one cat no one will be no one will be crying when they get put to sleep. Yes, it was very funny uh, because, because it, the reason this they, there was such a backlash against George is because George was the was the extremely leftist Reddit cat. So uh, when people saw this, they were like, "George, rethink this. You are betraying all that you stand for by being ableist against people who need to have uh, grocery slaves." And that's only possible because. It really does remind you of how like people were ended up worshiping like fucking calves and shit because uh, and like looking at the uh, looking looking at chickens like pecking feed and deciding whether to go to battle or not based on that. You got this cat that like I guess had butter on its head or something, and some busybody in the office was mad at the cat, and then the person describing the antics of the cat put it in a context of you know like oh HR giving you the business. And so people decided, yes, Jorts, you speak for me as an exploited worker. And then somebody decided to give Jorts a voice and it became like a real thing. Like people have this actual relationship, this imagined with this imaginary cat who in reality is right now licking its asshole and dreaming about murdering uh, it, it, the smallest, the, the largest baby that it could get its mouth on. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, just following up on George, though, it says, so obviously not everyone can get their own groceries. A slight misfire by George, but not the end of the world. Someone gave George a chance at redemption by telling him if someone is sick or caring for someone who is, they probably can't leave. For some reason, George doubled down. This evil cat replies, and those folks wouldn't get in the car and confront a worker being judged by an algorithm for subminimum wage. <laughs> I gotta say... Uh, kidding aside here, uh, George the Cat is correct about this. And people who complain about um, uh, gig economy wage slaves um, are the scum of the earth. I think that's been fairly well yeah. established by this yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, not having to go to the grocery store is, like, it's a luxury that was previously only afforded to, like, to people who made $10 million a year. I don't... And George H.W. Bush. Yeah, it's like... <sighs> I don't think you can complain too much when it's not, like, perfect. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, as long as 
basically what you ordered arrives at your house, like I really don't think you have any right to complain. If like one of the brands, like your your favorite cookie brand, wasn't in stock, or they got like the 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 regular lays instead of the ridged chips, it's it's food. You can eat it. Yeah. Also, like, why are you cooking? You know, I'd say that you're more able than most people if you're cooking all <laughs> your meals. Very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Very you're forgetting good point. though, like what politics boils down to on online now. Uh, I mean, probably always was, but certainly at this point, it is. I want. I, I nothing's going to change. I don't have any expectation of being changed. But what I want is for my choices to be validated as good and me as a result validated as a good person. So I just need whatever I'm going to do anyway, whatever my you know combination of laziness and stress makes me feel like I have to do. I don't want that to just be some submission to the market or some uh, unfortunate uh, reality. I want it to be actually good. And I want someone, I want everyone to tell me that it's actually good. And then that's why you got to craft a nice, unique set of uh, specific oppressions that justify why, no, when I do it, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm, there are definitely like a ton of disabilities where it's like you wouldn't go to the grocery store, right? Like, yeah, if you, you like can't walk or what I like a billion of them. The thing is, I don't think those people are like having arguments justifying this. It's like self-evident no. to them. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I can't fucking walk. Yeah, I, I use Instacart. And yeah, I would. There's there's nothing really bad you could say to those people. Like, yeah, it's a bad exploitive service. But, you know, so are a lot of things. But yeah, you, you can't fucking walk. When someone is constant, they're arguing for three days about how they're entitled to use this. That's when I think that they don't fully believe that they are entitled to use. Yeah, this. they feel guilty. If they didn't feel guilty, it would not. The wicked flee when none pursueth. They would not feel the need to justify this because there is no you have there is no real argument to be made that this is some sort of uh uh this that this that the that the extremely leftist cat has harmed anyone. But it you are harming yourself with your own uh, nagging doubt and guilt that you you want the machine to fix for you. What else are you on there for if not to fix those feelings? And like uh, to that point, Matt, like there's a lot of people being like uh, chronically ill and disabled people. Like, please do not feel guilty about using Instacart. You may, pl- you you may, you're allowed to use Instacart. Doesn't you know? Like, don't let anyone shame you out of it. It's extremely it's leftist like, for you to use Instacart. <laughs> and look, it's like it's 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 not good or evil. It's just a thing that exists. Right. And if you need to use it or don't need to use it, or if you're just fucking lazy and use it, like it's not really an issue. What you can't do is demand a level of like. Uh, like you, you can't be the boss of the person who's being hyper exploited to buy your fucking groceries for you, and like that's really what you're talking about, man. It's like, yeah, we want all our own individual decisions to be like uh, made virtuous, but also what we want to do is the ways in which like we're shit on and made to feel less than or stressed out. We want, we'd like to do those to other people too. Yes, and but crucially, be praised for doing so. Yes, we got, we gotta, we gotta, it's. We got to find somebody else to dump all of our uh, feelings of uh, uh, exploitation and inadequacy and, and, and anxiety on. And, uh, and that means bossing around anyone we can in our IRL life and then laundering that experience with our good, extremely leftist friends on the Internet. Well, just the article closes by saying, obviously, this is a nuanced issue. Jorts was calling out a woman for going to yell at a gig worker, but didn't really make cl- that clear and may then made it 10 times worse when he doubled down. Will Jorts be able to come back from this and continue to champion the working class? Time will tell. <laughs> I hope the wor- guys, 
Guys, I really hope the American working class can recover from this. Oh, man. If, if we lost shorts, it's like when Walter Reuther's plane went down. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, from one uh, ethical consideration or ethical dilemma made worse by the Internet, let's go to an even worse one. This is, a, this is one, once again, brought to you by a political candidate, for, seemingly from the Internet. Should there be a right to have sex? Well, one congressional candidate uh, believes so. This is from Alexandra M. Hunt at Hunt for Change, who uh, shares some statistics from a Washington Post article from, like, I don't know, two years ago that uh, purports to show that uh, nearly a third of men under 30 have not had sex and something like, you know, X amount of men have, like, not had sex even one time in the last year or something like that. Now, okay, would it, listener, would it shock you to learn that at one point in my life, I was someone who could go, let's say, a year without having sex? I know. It seems ridiculous. I've been there. Not the funnest time of my life, but I would not, I don't regard it as a, like a, an imminent societal crisis that, like, you know, some guys are having a hard time getting laid. That being said, like, over the long term, if you just forget leaving sex aside, if you look at the overall, like, loneliness and lack of human connection in particularly young people's lives, yeah, I would say that is somewhat, dis- that is not just somewhat, but very disturbing and does not augur well for civilization. But the problem is, like, what, what, what are the solutions to this? And uh, Alexandra Hunt says, our society criminalizes sex and sweeps it under the rug. The consequences are straightforward. There is more violence. Since platforms like Craigslist were banned from advertising sex, serious violent crimes against all women, not just sex workers, has increased by nearly one-fifth. And men who do not have sex suffer. They are less likely to be part of the labor force and more likely to experience depression, nihilism, and other mental health issues. The Me Too movement accomplished so much, and we have to take the next step. Normalize having healthy, positive, consensual sex. Decriminalizing sex work, funding sex education, and creating outreach programs that help young people develop sexual, healthy sexual habits. We should be moving toward a right to sex. People should be able to have sex when they feel they want to, and we need to develop services that meet people's needs without attaching the baggage of shame or criminalization. So, okay. yeah, so first of all, there's a little uh, correlation versus causation. I don't think men are not joining the labor force because they don't have sex. That's just a symptom of like an increasing amount of surplus males who are just not engaged in anything. Um, I do think that, yeah, that augurs incredibly poorly. It's incredibly alarming and sad and fucked up. But um, I, I don't really think the answer is like to make it more transactional either. Yeah. I mean, really, like if they, there's not one policy you can do that instantly makes this better. But if they, if I have to pick one, it's make smartphones illegal. That might help a little. But that's the that should be number one. You know, like instead of trying to accommodate uh, every budding pathology with a uh, a some sort of market based uh, solution to essentially salve and bandage it. How about like reduce the the thing that is most accelerating all of the worst aspects of it which is the fact that you can escape from the 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 uh the trap of sort of being this superfluous male by diving onto a goddamn telephone and living there uh and in so doing every day moving further and further away from being able to meaningfully relate to any other person in the world right and i i don't like again like i i want to clarify like i don't think that like cops should round up 
like the consensual adults doing sex work, right? That's no, I mean, but I don't, I don't, I also don't think that's like a solution. No, I don't think that necessarily yeah. like makes yeah. guys less lonely. Like there's, there's, there, I, there, I there's, a, there's a think... gaping black hole at the center of this. that isn't necessarily solved by all the decriminalization and legalization in the world. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, we, we, we addressed this like a little bit on the last episode about the Upper West Side congressional candidate who made a, you know, uh, p- published a video of himself on Pornhub uh, working with a pro uh, to for his sex positive campaign, which is of legalizing sex work is like one of the chief planks of it. Um, I'd be in favor of decriminalizing sex work. I don't want to see women get arrested for it, but I don't believe it is a good idea to use sex work or sex workers as some sort of cure for like how deeply alienated and hateful towards women men feel. Like if you're making it easier for men to just buy women to gratify themselves sexually, I don't think that that will increase their overall, I don't know, empathy or ability to form meaningful relationships later in life. I mean, for this specifically, let's take the most alienated male men who feel the least connection to any social contract uh, you know, saying oh, here's why you don't bash somebody's head in with a fucking hammer, and they should have priority to hire sex workers. That is like that. That is dead woman central. And like you know, I I don't want to be too hard on Alexandra Hunt here because I mean, like, just up until that last little turn at the end where she starts talking about like people should have the right to have sex when they want to. Um, yeah, like I agree. I think like, you know, having a healthy sexual, uh, healthy sexual interests and meaningful, romantic, intimate relationships in life is like really one of the main parts about like what makes being alive worthwhile and like having a, you know, healthy, thriving, you know, civilization. And to the extent that like people in young adulthood, men and women alike are removing themselves or being removed from, or just like, dropping out of consideration of being loved or experiencing uh, sexual pleasure is, is deeply depressing. And like, you know, obviously like, you know, a, a shame-free, like healthy, broader attitudes in our society about sex would go a long way towards helping that. But here's the problem though. When you start talking about like, and the, the Upper West Side congressional guy, Mike Itkiss had this on his campaign. He said like, the right to privacy is not enough. We need to have the right to have sex. And I suppose like, in the abstract, like, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think people do. Have, like, I think it's, you should not be, no one should be arrested or persecuted for having sex. Like, we, all of us, it's a part of human life. It's a, one of the most fundamental parts of human life. And it's currently covered under the rubric of the right to privacy, meaning generally that what consenting adults do behind closed doors is nobody's business but their own. That right is very much in peril right now. Thanks to this current Supreme Court and the Republican federal judges, we very well may see in the next year a constitutional right to privacy disappear. And with it, you know, the, 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 the ability to rely on the fact that you won't be arrested for your sexual uh, preferences or just the, having sex in general. The problem with establishing a, a specific right to have sex is that it's not really, having sex is not really an individual thing. What you're really talking about is like the shared rights of people in general because you need another person to be having sex otherwise it's just jerking off right so like where does your right begin and another person's end like that's the problem with establishing an idea that like yeah i have a right to have my sexual needs gratified by another person yeah i mean i mean it just it's in general like looking at the entire thing and only seeing the sex aspect is kind of missing the forest for the trees right 
missing it's missing that uh people young people especially like okay if you're a 25 year old most of your conscious memories now are are affected by you essentially having a slot machine in your pocket that you play with 18 hours a day for most of your life human interaction since like let's say 2009 is completely completely antagonistic to any type of like social solidarity uh mass politics or just fun in any way that we understood it before i think like the the cards are kind of stacked against young people relating to each other as they would have for you know any as they would have in any other time in history i mean i i can't imagine sort of coming of age and understanding your own sexuality while every moment or thing you say or thing you think is documented in this way that it never has been in human history you add like increasing in increasingly dire economic mobility and just the constant degradation of life the sex thing is all part of a piece but yeah i don't i don't think you necessarily solve that by just declaring there's a right to have sex that in in practice translates to like okay you can hire somebody for an hour because the the you know the, the any of the broad the real causes cannot be politically addressed so we can only address specific symptoms at at their like most dire point and so everyone has to and eventually just there's this fracturing towards whatever your specific like interest is for whatever reason and then the only politics that seems possible is building some ameliorative uh, uh, regime of at this point, because we're not change, we're not reforming anything, you know, we're not changing any structures, just legally allowing something that previously was banned and then hoping that that, that particular balm at least soothes some of the, the daily, uh, truly culturally, uh, you know, personally destabilizing misery that accompanies, uh, the systemic, uh, immiserations. Yeah, that it will be like uh, that, like sex work would be for Generation Z and some millennials and everyone after. It would be for them what like Uber and Instacart are for millennials yeah. before them. Hey, everything sucks. Right. It's becoming more degrading. There's less of a chance that you advance a station or even replicate your parents' life. But we've allowed you to have this thing on demand that previously was right. a luxury for yeah, yeah. It, yeah, like intimacy in the same way as food, food and shit. Yeah. But like, okay, I mean, like, I guess when it comes to like, I mean, what people are really talking about here, even though like men and women overall are having less sex and less fun than previous generations, because things are a lot less fucking fun now. But like, I mean, in terms of like a social problem, people, let, let's be honest, people are talking about young men, you know, because like, like, like that's what people are afraid of. And that's what like th these people are seeking to address. And I guess like, I know it's easy to make fun of incels, especially if they, you know, hate women. And, like, you know, m many of them are, are deserving of, of scorn. But, like, there's a whole cottage. I feel like half of the popular commentators on the right now are basically just dating coaches for young men. And I'm wondering, like, do you think it's a problem for, like, the left side of the equation to just completely ignore this or, like, to... Uh, or, or just to assume that, like, you know, any, any, any young man who's, like, unhappy and feels unfulfilled romantically is, like, you know, a piece of shit who should be written off entirely rather than, I mean, like, is there, look, I don't want to become a fucking dating coach or anything like that. I don't want to tell men how to be, like, you know, get laid or, but, I mean, like, don't you think, like, there, like, there are so many young men out there who just, like, 
need some good advice. They need, they need something real to someone to tell them about like how they could maybe make their life better. And then most of the cases, how to make your life better at that age translates to success with the opposite sex, like how to attract women, how to, how to get, be in a relationship. I don't think it's good to ignore them. I mean, uh, there's only going to be more like sort of surplus males that aren't engaged in anything and try to replicate the feeling of friends or community or sex or romance with just, yeah, the fake world that we've created on our phones that will only grow in scale as time goes on. I, I, again, like, I don't know quite how that's done though. I don't know quite how anyone would, would, uh, anyone on the left would reach those people now. I think there's a formula to reach them just kind of meeting them where they're at as a lot of people on the right do. But um, doing it on a positive angle on a mass scale, I would be interested to see what that looks like. I mean, I guess like it, it would start with just like I think like the assumption that like uh, if you're a young man who feels you know romantically unfulfilled or sort of like exiled from the world of sex and romantic possibility, that like you know that's a that's a shitty feeling to have. Yeah. And like, it's a shitty feeling to have, and it's not entirely your fault. Or the things that like, are the things that like have led to your condition that are your, your fault. Or like, it's not in a moral sense, but like, the good, that's the good news is because like, if it, if it's things that you're doing that is leading to these outcomes, then you could very easily do other things that don't involve completely changing your personality or you know, growing a foot in height or becoming like this alpha Chad stereotype or whatever. But that like, yeah. It's it's for for men or women for anyone like it is no it it is not fun to feel undesired to feel just kind of invisible to society at large and I guess like you know and like the the way out of that is like I don't know like I I, I think a, a lot of hatred of women that is the result of you know thwarted sexual ambition is just really a, I mean it's like it's the natural outgrowth of extreme self hatred. And, and rage that like needs to find an outlet or an excuse to any excuse other than like actively engaging in your own life for its own sake, not to like attract a better mate or, you know, be a more powerful individual, but to just like feel better about yourself. So when you get up in the morning and when you look at yourself in the mirror, the problem, the hard thing is telling them that in some sense, though, that they still will be surplus males, right? You can't, you can't necessarily sell them the fantasy that they'll be gladiators or that they'll be top G's or that they'll they'll have a mailing list, whether it's like Andrew Tate or Jordan Peterson or anyone else. The problem is that you're going to have to tell them at some point you are still this discarded excess material in this current system. And we can't guarantee you that we're going to fix that. That is that's an innate problem with approaching it from that angle that I don't know how to solve. I mean, yeah, there'd have to be a project. I mean, if you are honest about the real uh, structural forces at play here, then the only real answer is like, okay, then well, what are we going to do to, what are we, what can I do to try to give my life some sort of meaning and shape by opposing this? And there is at the per current moment, nothing to do. There is nowhere to put that energy. Uh, the only, the people who are offering, a uh, solution to it in the political realm are, of course, the most uh, psychotic and uh, cynical uh, operators because they'll tell you whatever you want to hear, obviously, and people are going to be taken in by that. Absent that, it becomes 
uh, you know, uh, a personal challenge, like, okay, how do I deal with this reality? And, you know, that is one of the real re- things that made Jordan Peterson this incredibly uh, uh, meteorotic figure. For a minute, he was telling people, he was giving people a thing to do, tend your own garden. And when you look at him and his trajectory over the past couple of years and just becoming this completely non-functional a weeping maniac who keeps having to be chained to radiators in Serbia. It's because <laughs> you can only clean your room so many fucking times. And if nothing else changes, you're left in the same position you were before, but even more bereft now because your plan of action, your actual attempt to take control of things did not have the results you wanted it to. I mean, I, I think what's going on is that like, you know, yeah, like on, on these sort of like male lifestyle guru figures on the right. I mean, I think that they are selling a lie that if, hey, if you just like uh, use my promo codes and, you know, like uh, send me money or listen to all my podcasts or whatever, that like, yeah, you have a, you have a chance to become part of the 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 male elect, you know, like that that top echelon of, you know, like fucking alpha superstar fucking, you know, Chad, like, you know. They're selling the lie that you can be like them and that you could have like a harem of women and be a rich baller. Um, I mean, like, yeah, like, but we all know that's that's not the case. And like they're depending on the fact that like none of these guys are ever going to be like that. But the thing is, like, you don't you don't have to be you don't have to be. And I think I think the thing that's in a lot of these guys heads uh, that's holding them back is that especially for young men, like guys who are in their, you know, like late teens, early 20s, like college years, I think like they're not interested in sex so much as the status that it confers and the status of having a, a high tier, high status woman, like the, the perfect mm-hmm. 10 smoke show. And I mean, I hate to put in too many, too, too, too crude of a terms here, but like everyone could fucking benefit from lowering their standards just a little, <laughs> yeah, fucking absolutely. Bit. just a little fucking bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I think that these guys who are like unfuckable wretches like okay here's the thing if you're heterosexual you do not have to do a lot of work to make yourself attractive enough to like have have sex with a woman that, that okay like that, that's that's a bare minimum right there you do not have to clear too many hurdles to get yourself from unfuckable wretch to like wood right but i don't think these guys want sex with like the real women who are in their life or that could conceivably like might be go on a date with them they want to be, I think, largely because of smartphones and fucking the internet and pornography, they only want, like, what in their head is, like, the perfect 10 woman that they feel entitled to. And it's like, like, like no, nobody, nobody is entitled to that, man. Like, and if, if you, you know, and if you end up with someone inordinately attractive, more attractive than you are, then good for you for whatever reason. But the idea is that, like, they, I don't think they want sex with a real woman. I think that's why most of these guys are just turning into cartoons turning to cartoons to mediate their sexuality because like the possibility of a real woman i think kind of disgusts them and you know like if, if sex or romance or just let's be honest love having love in your life is something that you're interested in then i think you, you people have got to get out of their fucking heads with this shit So, uh, don't know if I have too many more thoughts on this. Like I said, I really don't want to be some fucking lifestyle coach for young men. But look, uh, we've all been there. We've all been hard up before. I guess I'm just trying to say uh, it gets better. I don't, I don't know. But I will just say I am skeptical on how 
legalizing sex work or making sex like the new frontier of being like a DoorDash driver, it, like how, how that's going to work out when given to a generation of men who have had their brains severely warped by pornography. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that's a bad recipe. Yeah. Just, it would be, um, it would, uh, expand, uh, spree killings on Wikipedia. It would expand that subsection. All right. Well, let's go from a, a bad recipe to a good one. Headline, Eyewitness News, ABC, LA. 12,000 fentanyl pills seized in candy wrappers at LAX, sparking Halloween warning to parents. Folks, it's spooky season. You know what that means? Fentanyl-laced candy. Would you believe it? The guy who was, for some reason, trying to transport 12,000 pills through his carry-on. Uh, <laughs> very believable. Very believable through his carry on through TSA. I got a sweet tooth. Yeah. He put them in, he put them not in any type of Faraday device or something with a, that would block x rays, but he put them all in like milk duds containers, 12,000 pills, uh, street value of like hundreds of thousands of dollars. He escaped from LAX TSA. Yeah, he fled. It said, okay, wait, wait, wait. But they know who he is. is Don't this worry. Is, this is a, this is a glaring red flag in this story. Imagine going through airport security. You're putting your backpack. You're, okay, you're in the security line. You put your backpack through the fucking x-ray machine that has a quarter million dollars of fentanyl pills <laughs> concealed in milk duds or something like that. They notice this and they're like, hey, um, could you step out of line for a second? We just uh, we need to check something. You're just like, uh, I'm out. And then you just make a runner for the door. That How, like come on. That's I know LAX is a bad airport, but I mean, come on. It's designed to prevent that from happening. What the th this is this is a fucking op. This is 1000% an op. Has anyone with a bomb ever run away like that with a gun? <laughs> like I it, it's you just so he had just a big cloud of your shape just standing Madison there. Madison Cawthorn had wheels and he couldn't even get away. Yeah, they they like okay, so this guy had by some estimates, almost $750,000 worth of fentanyl pills. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he's just like, okay, see ya. And the sheriffs are like, our bad, but we got him. And we think, we think this guy was going to a destination Halloween where he was just going to give these pills to kids in candy boxes just to be bad. This has got to be like a police. This is the police union, right? Absolutely. Like, these are police unions right before an election. And, you know, like, I mean... Half of the moms and dads in this country are convinced that, like, literally every surface outside of their house is laced with fentanyl. So now it's like the perennial razor blades and apples, drugged candies, and now fentanyl. They're just going to be killing kids. You know who I blame for all of this? Uh, oh. Christopher Nolan for creating the modern superhero <laughs> film and getting people inured to the idea that there are literal Joker style criminals running around who are not doing crime out of any sort of pecuniary interest but rather just to fuck with people. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think this guy, so this guy who um, we're going to take him at face value again, destination Halloween. He was going to, let's say Kokomo, Indiana to rent a house on Airbnb <laughs> and give out these fentanyl kids, these fentanyl pills to sweet little kids. Do you think he got like that? Do you think he got that shipment of pills on consignment? Do you think he went to like a yeah. mid-level distributor and the guy was like, hey, like you came with references. Um, but like if you don't have like we need 300K up front, we need the other 600K like you, you know, you uh, you have a month. And he's like, don't worry, I have a great plan. I'm just going to give these away and kill children just for fun. <laughs> and the distributor was uh, like, that sounds great. 
I think instead it's that he uh, applied for a grant with the uh, uh, Open Societies Foundation. Classic <laughs> Soros op there. No, this is some. This has got to be like some sheriff's deputy that just raided their evidence locker, yeah. stuffed it in Skittles bags, and then like set up this fucking fake bust at an airport so that they could get a fucking they could get credulous fucking local reporters to just be like uh, uh, a quarter ton of fentanyl headed to a candy store near you. I can yeah. If this is real, this guy is. I think the worst drug dealer ever, the worst drug <laughs> trafficker in existence. Yeah. Uh, just read uh, just at the end. Uh, the bus sparked new calls for parents to be cautious this Halloween about candy their children bring home. There have been multiple multiple reports this year of fentanyl manufactured in rainbow colors or disguised in candy wrappers. With Halloween approaching, parents need to make sure that they are checking their kids' candy and not allowing them to eat anything until it has been inspected by them, the sheriff's department said. If you find anything in candy boxes that you might believe that you believe might be narcotics, do not touch it and immediately notify your local law enforcement agency. What I love so much about the psychology behind this is that, like, you know, if I was a parent and I thought and I believed that, like, fentanyl the fentanyl laced candy was being distributed all across the country during halloween i would not let my kids go trick-or-treating that year i simply like i would not be inspecting their candy they would not be getting any candy if i thought that that was even a remotest possibility but i love the fact that people sincerely believe that and they're just like okay we're doing a candy audit when you go back to the house. Oh, I don't know. This Snickers bar, the package looks a little adulterated. I'm going to use, I'm going to put on a level four biohazard suit and use tongs to remove it into the, the safety box or whatever. Well, you can't let the Joker win by canceling trick or treating. Yeah, you're right. The Joker loves Halloween, though. If we canceled Halloween, that would be the biggest L for the Joker of all time. No, no. Yeah. If, if we cancel Halloween, then what was even the point of having a society? Then we're letting the Joker <laughs> dictate what we do, and we can't allow that. We only we need seven thousand more sheriff's deputies running around on ATVs with fucking rocket launchers attached. These fucking these goddamn sheriffs. Uh, just I, I don't, we we said it before our LA show, but can we please the, the police? Uh, who knows? Do we need them? Do we not need them? Should we fund them? Should we not fund them? I don't know. But we should absolutely get rid of sheriff's departments. Come on! Have you, have you seen what these guys look like? They're fatter than even regular cops. <laughs> I never got. I I always hated that. When it's like Chicago's the same way. We have like Cook County Sheriff's Department in Chicago PD. Like, what do you need both for? No one ever explained that to me. It's ridiculous. There's no like legal, there's no legal explanation for that. It's like, I guess, okay, sheriffs uh, serve eviction notices. Wow, they sound great. And unlike the police department, where at least you have to like go to the academy and pass a fucking test to get the job. The sheriff's department are all just like the worst cousins and nephews in a given location. It's all just grift and patronage for one fat asshole's extended family. They have a boxier shirt. That's like their biggest difference. I, and they also are, have even less oversight than police departments. Yeah. They, they really can run. They're just like these little medieval fiefdoms. Yes, but in thanks to, it is thanks to the sheriff's department that they created an XXXXL uh Kevlar vest, which before they didn't offer. <laughs> they were like, it was sheriff's departments collectively who said, look, guys, we can't fit our dudes into these things. I do like the I do like the sheriffs are elected. Yeah, yeah. what the fuck? Well, elect the sheriff to to what? I don't know. Well, to ride around like, the, at the fucking county fair with a little hat on. Well, what what are you voting on the, here? What, like, what what's the platform that these guys are running on? Is there ever like, hey? Uh, my candidate, uh, my candidate wants to prosecute crimes, but me, I'm going to let him happen. 
But like, it's not your you. job either way. You don't. You don't have any <laughs> discretion. What? What? How are you? Yeah. What is? What is this job? This is an administrative post at most. Why the hell are we voting for it? It is very Tammy Hall to like elect. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Al Smith was the sheriff of of uh, New York City before he was governor of New York. That's classic. Uh, classic Tammany shit. It's how Nucky Thompson got yeah. started. His first yes, elected position. Grover Cleveland was a sheriff too. Called him the Hangman of Buffalo for doing executions. <laughs> there we go. Well, it's a, you know if you're looking for a political career, don't join fucking McKinsey or join the military. Become a fucking local sheriff, dude. Actually, think about all these fucking Democrats who were like troops in Afghanistan and shit. They should have been recruiting from sheriff's departments. Well, I mean, they're probably none of them are Democrats, but you know, like no, they're, they're, they're all psychos. CIA I mean, agents. That's yeah. another. I mean, you have they like the degree to which they are a political force. They are the number one people who are ready to just get rid of uh, elections completely and just do full martial law 24 seven. Well, you know, if well, Matt, if you read the constitution, it's pretty clear that local sheriffs do get to dictate who can vote. That was a huge, in, in, that was a huge teacup thing. Sovereigns. Yes. A huge teacup thing was that sheriffs were any day going to uh, arrest Obama for gun control because Obama <laughs> did gun control and that violates like, a trigger in the constitution where sheriffs arrest the sheriffs are the highest ranking elected officials in America. That was like sort of proto QAnon. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's still around. Oh, yeah. And those guys are still out there. Like the sheriffs have only gotten crazier as time has gone on. Oh, I can't wait for this midterm election. They've gotten fatter and fatter and crazier and crazier. All, all, the, all, the, all the vigilante poll watchers that are out there, there are people who are setting up 24-hour or webcams on, like, ballot boxes and shit to try to catch people voting twice or, I don't know, voting. I think, I think yeah. that's really what's going on here. Well, the, the future is sort of... Did you see... So, like, the, uh, the American army is, like, taking a page out of the IDF's book, and there's, like, a new an army influencer... Who looks like, you know, a sort of like artsy 22 year old TikTok girl. She's like an enlisted member of the army. People were calling it a PSYOP, which I mean, I guess in a literal sense it is because it's marketing. Yeah, it's just advertising that yeah. it, this is a PSYOP. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in that sense, sure. I do wonder if that's successful, then that opens up a new front in in the American Civil War. A bunch of like Michaela's versus the sheriffs. If the army is run Ooh. by Michaela's in like 20 years, <laughs> the woke military versus the based sheriff's department. Yeah, I. Hey, hey. And thanks to, thanks to the war on terror, most of those sheriff's departments have all the same hardware the military does. So this will be a be a fair fight. I don't know. OK, we always talked about how we need a Gaddafi or a Napoleon. I mean, for America, it would be a Michaela or a McKenna. Or a whatever, you know, a Mick whatever. Yeah. And she might come in that it might come in that form. Going to war with the sheriffs. Yeah. The sheriff well, the sheriff well, the, somebody the uh, yeah. The sheriffs will be like the uh, uh like the uh, ISIS basically and and then we need a, a Michaela style Assad yeah. to drop barrel bombs on them. I do th I do think <laughs> those are the most I mean, they're the most qualified people to be a sort of Bonapartist figure. Uh <laughs> They're familiar with like Byzantine social structures. They've already gone to war because the natural enemy of those girls is their mom. I think that's the next Gaddafi or Chavez. It may be the only savior for America. Well, uh, just to, uh, to close things out for today, I'm, people have been asking, a lot of people have been in my mentions going, well, 
When are you going to talk Rod on the show? Rod has been spiraling out like never before. When are you going to address Rod? To those people, I say, should have come to the live shows? Should have come to the live shows? We've had, folks, we have had full spectrum coverage of Rod coming out of the closet and <laughs> destroying his life in public. Um, but if you didn't go to the live shows, you didn't hear. But lucky for you, it just so happens Rod is back with probably his most self-pitying blog post of all time. And I'd like to share it with you guys now. Quick recap. Uh, Rod recently wrote an article about how we're losing the skills to have a civilization because more people are gay. But in the article, he essentially states as you know, outright, like an assumed common fact that we all are, share and can agree on, uh, that essentially heterosexuality has to be taught, whereas a febophilic boy love is sort of the natural setting for most men. You just want to you just want to have sex, and who you want to have sex with? Your boys, because ladies, they're scary. Yeah, he literally he literally said that. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah, Casper Hauser, the feral boy, that was the only <laughs> thing he knew. So uh, yeah, we all know. So so Rod has. Uh, Look, I, I'm saying like this is officially Rod coming out of the closet because this is the, as close as he's ever going to get to it by just saying that homosexuality is the natural baseline setting among men and they need to be taught heterosexuality through things like religion. Um, but, you know, keep in mind also he got a divorce from his wife and has abandoned his wife and kids to live in Budapest year-round. Well, now he's made it official with a blog post titled Goodbye, Louisiana, I Tried. And this is announcing that he is now permanently moving to Hungary and um, just, you know, abandoning his uh, family to do so. So, I mean, it, it, the, the blog, it is about, it is, this blog post is about half the length of Moby Dick. So I'm going to be very sparing here. I'm just going to read the beginning and the end. See, uh, he, of course, begins with a quote from Dante. <laughs> he goes, I just woke up here in Baton Rouge on the day that I'm going in to fly into exile. It sounds like such a pretentious word, exile. But that is exactly how I'm experiencing this move to Budapest. Don't get me wrong. I'm very, very pleased to have a place to go where I will be surrounded by friends and can do good work. But this move today lands in me with the power of myth. The last time I had this feeling of dread in the face of the necessary was the day I left Catholicism to become Orthodox. I knew that, they, that the exile could not be avoided, but that did not remove the pain. I'll explain below. That passage of Dante, by the way, is a prophecy his ancestor, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, yeah, he's just, he, so he goes on for another 10,000 words of just basically being like, so sad to be leaving my family and living in Europe full time now to fight the good fight. But, you know, I'm sort of like Dante in, in that respect because I had to spend so many years with a wife and kid. That's kind of like the inferno. I just got divorced. That's sort of like purgatory. But now that I can spend all my time in Budapest, surrounded by With stalwart young men. With the shirtless <laughs> Yeah. That is Paradiso. So, uh, finally leaving uh, Louisiana, he visits his parents' graves. He walks around. He feels sad. I just want to get to the end here. Talks about his book, about his dead sister. He quotes Dante at length. He's still going, still going, still scrolling. Okay, here he goes. Leaving Louisiana now, I know that I'm gone for good. I also know that I will probably be like Dante for the rest of my days, mm. <laughs> moving from place to place, tasting the salt of other men's bread. What? Oh, oh bread. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Pause. Sure. Pause. Pause. Rod, how are you as a man going to be spending the rest of your days tasting the salt of other men's bread? Homie, you gotta, make your own. You're going to taste a man's bread. 
He said it, not me. He did say it. I just okay. okay I, I was going to say it once again. In the post announcing his divorce, he compared himself to Jesus Christ. <laughs> in the post announcing that he's moving away from his family, to he's now separating himself from his family with a fucking ocean and a continent or two. Um, he's comparing himself to Dante. Yeah, that, I mean, I'd say he's in that category. I mean, he thinks he is, and that's all that really matters. Okay. The guy, he's very dramatic. Uh, that's one thing I've noticed about him over the years is that he takes himself very seriously. Uh, hysterical. And he certainly thinks that, uh, that, that people take him as seriously as he does. I'm just glad that he's going to be happy now, right? Yeah, he's no, in, this is it. He's going to be happy. <laughs> this is going to fix things for him. No, we finally found the thing. It's very fortunate. He just gets to live in the Grand Budapest Hotel for the rest of his life, and it'll be awesome. He goes, yeah, uh, I will probably be like Dante for the rest of my days, moving from place to place, tasting the salt of other men's bread. But God brought great good out of Dante's exile. The thing that I wanted more than anything else in this world and have wanted from the time I was a little boy is to feel at home in the world with a father who approves of me. That was not to be mine, except by God's grace in heaven. Mm. That part of my life is over, but my life is not yet over. My charge going forward is to keep my eyes on Christ and not on the serpent spooling out of my mind, trying to distract me with longing for the happy life I once had, or with anger or bitterness or unforgiveness. All, that needs, all of that needs to be buried in the stone of my confession of faith. This is going to be hard for me because I'm hurting, and my kids are hurting, and my ex-wife was hurting. I wanted to stop so badly and have for the past 10 years. But none of us can share in Christ's victory unless we also share in his suffering. The events of the last 10 years could destroy me or it could make me and make me into someone through whom grace passes unmixed with the corrupting force of sin. That choice belongs to me. That choice belongs to all of us. So, uh... If any of you out there are considering uh, breaking up your family, divorcing your wife, and basically just removing yourself from the presence of your child's life, um, just know that like that's cool, and it gives you an opportunity to like just just move and vibe free from sin, and uh, to just sort of max out on God's love. It is very funny because this is essentially the same sort of self-indulgent uh, journey that like the hippies would do. You know, they leave their families and go on the hippie trail to uh, Afghanistan or something. But because he's he's doing it uh, in based Orban's Hungary, uh, it's actually not liberal narcissistic self indulgence. It's deep spiritual quest. Well, I cannot imagine that in the future, you know, maybe two years from now, there will be a post like leaving Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Why it was already ruined when I got here. You know why I I have to go to Antarctica. <laughs> Get the bread, salt, letty, boys. I'm coming to the McMurdo station. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, oh my God. He's amazing. Could you, could you imagine, could you imagine the thing with Rod Dreher as one of your Antarctic uh, coworkers? He refuses oh, to take I'd his form. Like, he, I, I'd just be like, he's the thing. He's the thing. <laughs> That's how you kill just it. Get that flame, get that flame, get that flamethrower ready. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, look, I, I don't want anyone to be too hard on Rod for like, you know, I know, I know I've said he's abandoned his wife and children, but look, he was not doing them any favor of sticking around. You know, like, the, uh, divorce is, uh, more often than not, a good thing. I mean, of course, Rod wants to make divorce illegal, but, I mean, like, he took advantage of it, and look, his wife and kids are going to be a lot happier now. They're gonna be, they are going to be walking with God full-time now that they have the most annoying man in the world out of their lives. 
But you know, <laughs> seriously, Rod, dude, do you? This is like a eat, pray, love kind of thing for Rod now. He, he's free to eat, pray, and love as he sees fit, and I hope he takes. And then when of he it. when he dies, he goes to heaven and he sees his parents, and he goes, "Oh my God, mom and dad!" And they're like, "Oh fuck, he's here! God damn it!" <laughs> Is he going to try to make fucking bully a base again? <laughs> God, think how pissed off his parents would yeah. be if, if Rod gets into heaven. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I have to say, if Rod accomplished anything great in his life, um, and this will be not on purpose, obviously, he has his son or daughter or maybe all of his kids, they are going to be the best writers ever. <laughs> like this specific amount and this specific manner of unique childhood trauma is so like this is the recipe to create a great American novelist, I think. Yeah, certainly. The next Flan- the next Flannery O'Connor is. Can you imagine though, kids. like if he if 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 he has the kids over, like he have flies them out to Budapest for some like uh some sort of Magyar Christmas one year. Oh, that's going to be rich fodder for the uh, Iowa Writers Workshop. Yeah, you already <laughs> like you already have the thing of your dad like fighting his own sexuality in print daily. Yeah, <laughs> and then like like as you're coming of age, he's like, I have to, I have to go live with orcs, or I'll be gay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can relate. There's a there's a blowjob scene in my dad's novel, and I was trying to read it when I was a teenager, and then I threw it across the room when I got to that. Well, depending on who gave it to him. Never read another word. Depending on who gave it to him, it may represent something very hard he worked to achieve. (laughs) Heterosexuality. Uh, But yeah, I mean, once again, uh, best of luck. Best of luck to Rod. Best of luck to best of luck to Budapest. I mean, yeah, think, yeah. think about how hatches, fun that guys. city is going to be now, yeah. dude. If, if you are if you are if you are a large Magyar man or a sort of very like skinny, hairless American one who's inordinately concerned with the collapse of Western civilization and you like Latin Mass and things like that, Budapest that's the scene to be. That's the place to be. New York dead. Los Angeles dead. Uh, whatever monastery Rod was living in, or I, I don't know, the monastery is the, that scene is over. It's all about Budapest, Hungary. That, Get over there, guys. That's where you want to be. That's it's where like, the party's at. Hungary. Yeah. In a it's year, like, in a year, Orban is going to come out and be like, "Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, let me just amend everything I ever said about uh, Soros. Uh, also, Rod Dreher. We got to get him out of here. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> he's I, annoying the shit out of us. I was going to say, Hungary is not that big of a place. Um, in just a few years, Rod could meet and annoy everyone there. Yep. And people are like, you know, there's democratic backsliding, but like. Rod could be the thing that brings down Orban. Yes. Just because it's like you brought him here. <laughs> <laughs> He's annoying the shit out of talk all about, of us. Talk about a bad immigration policy. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we will take, t- we will take 10,000 Syrians to get rid of one rod. I'm trying to eat some schnitzel and this, this, this where's Waldo looking motherfucker is staring at me across the, the piazza. He's crying. It's getting annoying. <laughs> okay, two years from now, Rod Post leaving Hungary. I, I you know, as, as I leave Hungary at gunpoint, <laughs> I, I, I recall the words of Alexander Solonichin, <laughs> <laughs> as George Orwell once wrote, uh, "Better to Irish goodbye a party before you're asked to leave." I would never belong to a club that would have me as a member. Dante, <laughs> Canto, Thirty, Inferno. Well, best of luck to him. Yeah. And best of luck to Liz Truss, RIP. 
Yeah. Uh, oh very yeah. All right. All right, Peter. The the top bird. But you the know what that means. Top bird in all the UK. What God? You know what, what that means. Run. It means what a run. Boris. It means it's time to build back Boris. Yeah, Boris. He's actually. Just, it looks like it might actually happen, folks. Who else do they We're have? At that point, where you can just riff things out into existence, it's amazing. <laughs> We're living in the most blessed fantasy world. We're living in the future we always dreamed of, where we get to bring back Boris better. They don't. Yeah, who else? There's nobody else. That guy Rishi. Yeah, fuck yeah, no. No, he had a shot. No, yeah. they, Liz swooped him. There's no way he could beat Boris if it's head to head. Give me a break. Yeah, no, he, the guy who got beat by Liz yeah. is not beating Boris. No. Just real quick, though, got to acknowledge, but before I forget about her for the rest of my life, what a fucking achievement. Shortest serving British leader in history. <laughs> 44 days? 44 days. Oh. Did not even make it to fucking Christmas. Wow. During, during her tenure as prime minister, uh, the queen died. <laughs> The pound collapsed, and the government soon thereafter that. Bloody masterclass, tears in all of our eyes. And she did it. She, she literally destroyed the British Empire once and for all while wearing a submissive day collar the entire time. What can you say other than tears in all of our eyes? Legend. A po- a absolute masterclass. How do you, like, face your kids? After, like, like, barely, barely two like one and a half months just like oh okay want to go on vacation i'm done like <laughs> i did it she couldn't e- couldn't even finish out like the three month uh apple plus trial period <laughs> well maybe her, i mean you know as we've speculated on the show maybe she was greeted as a conquering hero by her family because they're all closet anti-monarchists and she just put, possible she just shoveled the last pile of dirt on the fucking <laughs> british crown forever yeah. dude i don't know our boy, our, our friends on like momentum labor, like they got to reach out to trust because I mean, like we cannot let talent like that. If you're into destroying the United Kingdom, you cannot let talent like that sit on the bench. Yeah, she might as well have been wearing a bloody balaclava. <laughs> uh, rest in peace. Right, she will be missed. Okay, all right, Pete. Bring, bring, build, build back, back Boris. Build back Boris. All right, gang. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.